Hello, friend, and welcome to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. What unfolds is a monologue that is dictated by the state of the divine flow as well as any questions I might receive from the human collective consciousness. Enjoy! Hello, hello, my dear ones, and welcome to another episode of Conversation with my higher self. Um, how are you? I missed you. Oh my God, there are so many of you here today. Um, I am present to our virtual space that we are all sharing as we're going down the rabbit hole of this podcast. And I want to say that from the last episode to this episode, there's maybe about 30% more of you, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, that generally tells me that at one point this episode is going to be uh, it is either going to go viral or something along those lines, because somehow there's just a lot of people collectively interested in this topic, which is, hey, I'm super, I'm here for it. I'm very excited about that. Um, a couple of, uh, so let, let me spoil it. Let, let me tell you what we're talking about today. We're talking about channeling and channels. So if you are excited about this topic, if you feel like you don't know enough about it. If you would like to understand how it works and what it is and how special this quote-unquote special ability is, we're going to dive deep today. Uh, today is also going to be a little bit uh, of an interactive type of session because I've wanted to take maybe a little bit more questions from the collective to try to understand what you are grappling with, what you are curious about as it relates to channeling. I think this is very rich territory. I definitely have opinions about it more than one, <laughs> multiple opinions. Um, I find this this topic quite fascinating now. There's not a lot of quality information about channeling, unfortunately, uh, on the face of planet Earth. I hope we can start shifting the dynamics. Channeling is something that is going to be a lot more available uh, for people individually. I mean, not just like to listen to people who are channeling, but actually being able to do that themselves down the road. So humanity is going full steam ahead. Uh, as far as its spiritual development, I am, I could not be more excited about it. Um, in terms of a couple of housekeeping items, thank you for the ones, for those of you that, um, have left us a review. Um, I know I asked, um, it is really, you know, I have so much gratitude for you if you um, left us a review. If you still haven't, but you feel like this podcast um, is helpful to you, um, has for for some of you, I've I've gotten feedback that it's changed your life. We would really appreciate a review because those people that are out there that are looking for good quality information about spirituality, those people that are still in the dark, they really rely on reviews to f help them find that person that they should listen to or that content that is, you know, worth their time. So if you think that um, this podcast may be worth their while, leave us a review. It's really, really good karma, you guys. Uh, not, you know, hey, if, if you've listened to the uh, predictions for 2022, this is a year of karmic returns. So this is also a really, really good year where, you know, if you do something good, 
that good karma may come to you really quickly. <laughs> I'm just saying. But honestly, this is not why you should be doing it. Like if you feel cold in your heart, then that's what you should be doing it. Um, other than that, um, I think that was all around um, housekeeping items. Um, I see a lot more and more of you are purchasing my book as well. It's up on Amazon. It's called 72 Keys to Manifestation or An Ancient Path of a Modern Day Alchemist. I personally really love the hardcovers the best. They really feel very substantial. And I don't know if you also wanted to make like some notes inside. Some, somehow the hardcover feels like the best format to get it in. Um, starting to get some really, really, really good reviews about it. And, you know, from uh, people who purchase. So don't miss out if that feels like something you're interested in. If that's the topic that is near and dear to your heart. Other than that, let's talk about channels and channeling, a topic rooted in mystery. Um, I kind of don't see a lot of clarity as I'm looking into and scanning the human collective right now. There is so much confusion about channeling. Um, enough of humanity just believes this is kind of like some dark sorcery um, and they perceive channelers to just be weird. You know, that there's like a little bit of that in the human collective consciousness. And they're like, well, I don't know, that just feels... Some people actually don't legitimately believe in channeling. Now, granted, not a lot of them are going to listen to this episode. So there you have it. But, you know, enough of you that gathered here today um, for this fireside chat. It's an imaginary fireside. Yeah, you know, it's an imaginary fire. You guys, it's, it, you're like, just imagine, bear with me for this analogy. We're, imagine that we're sitting here in front of a fireplace and just having a little chit chat about channels and channeling. Um, yes, there's, it's a topic rooted in mystery and I'm really glad we're diving, diving deep today. So channeling is actually a very organic, natural process for certain individuals. There are certain things that need to be in place for someone to be able to channel. What is channeling essentially? Channeling is, well, and let's start with, actually maybe let's start with the fact like, what is a channel, right? A channel is exactly what it sounds like. It is a stream of light, essentially, that is leaving your body, right? That is a two-way street. It's almost like a highway that goes from your body through your crown center. It stretches up etherically it's an etheric channel meaning energetic and that goes up right and essentially that type of channel the type of spiritual highway if you mean enables you to communicate with spirit so for anybody who is getting spiritual guidance especially frequently that channel is already there it's already in place the chat for the channel to start essentially develop developing itself certain chakras need to partake so from you know as i'm kind of like scanning the human body the channels tend to start in the heart space so the heart space your heart chakra is kind of like the bottom aspect of that channel and then it goes up through your throat third eye culminates in your crown and then just shoots up into ether essentially as high as you can not all channels go up to the same dimension, if you will, or up to the same frequency. There are some channels on planet Earth right now that go as high as source consciousness or unity consciousness, however you want to name it. There are some channels that just go up to, let's say, 70. There are some channels that go up to 90 or 11D, right? So not every channel is created equal. However, if you are getting 
a fairly regular stream of communication from your spirit guides in whatever form that is outside of physical, let's say, right? Maybe like we're not necessarily talking about like feathers on the street uh, on, on your path. Those are very physical guidance or like if you're seeing 11, 11 on your watch, that's not necessarily a channel. That is something that your guides have to bring into the physicality of your existence for you to get that information. But if you're getting nonverbal, let's say, uh, or not non-physical, should I say, com- uh, you know, communication from spirit, you most likely are already a channeler and you don't even know it. Now, generally speaking, when you guys think of channeling, you think almost of like a form of possession, for the lack of a better word. So channels or spirit mediums, there's another name for them, uh, for, for these types of people, are the people who not only have this highway of a channel, really, really well developed in their body, which means that they have all of their chakras from the heart up, open, and functional. These are also the people that can both transmit and receive massive amounts of energy through their channel, as well as interpret, right? So there's another thing that comes into place here. Some people are able to receive information, but they're not really able to decode the information. For those of you that may have been, I'll I'll try to explain what I mean. For those of you that may have had a psychedelic experience, whatever that psychedelic experience was, LSD, magic mushrooms, I don't know, ayahuasca, you name it. If you have been bombarded with bright colors, but really kind of like without the, you know, just much rhyme or reason, and you're like, well, I'm just seeing these bright colors and it's kind of beautiful, but I'm not sure what they're telling me. That means that you have a good channel, but meaning like your highway is there, but your uh, translation is not yet developed. Your translation mechanism, meaning you are receiving messages, but you cannot decode it, right? Because for those people that have that translation mechanism developed and in place, they're not just going to be able to see colors, or like hear sounds or whatever, like in terms of music or something or tunes, they're going to be able to decode what it actually means. What is spirit trying to tell them, right? So they're going to find meaning to that communication and going to be able to know exactly what's being communicated as opposed to just seeing pretty pictures, if that makes sense, right? So any channel and every channel has to have a few things in place. So the actual channel, meaning their chakras, need to operate properly, They need to have a decoding mechanism in place. And then they need to have enough of a flexible consciousness that it enables them to receive other energies without necessarily imposing their own ego, although I don't like the word ego in this context, or their own perspective, I think is a much better word, their own perspective on what is happening. That is why mediums specifically, especially the ones that experience channeling to a point of like full taking over of the body, almost like when you as a medium, like if your consciousness walks out and another consciousness walks in, right? That can only happen for certain people. What is different about those people as opposed to other people? Their self-concept, right, is a lot more flexible, meaning these types of people are a lot less attached to the physicality of this world. They are a lot less attached to who they think they are, and they're a lot more open to everything, learning experiences, 
reimagining their paradigm, very often with mediums, what you would find is they would have these aha moments that completely changed their paradigm. So, and some of them are teachers, by the way, right? And for the ones that are teachers, um, what is interesting is depending on kind of like what spirit comes through, you know, it would offer its own perspective to that human. And so they start teaching. And then like, you know, let's say it's a particular frequency that they're channeling. And then, you know, what the moment they stop channeling that frequency and a new being comes uh, comes through, the channel may, may completely almost like flip polarities and flip their opinion about the world. And sometimes as a person who's trying to learn from the channeler, you may be a little taken aback because you're like, hold on a second. I thought you told me the world was this way. And actually now, like two years later, you're telling me that scratch that, let's start from scratch, you know, and you know, this is actually what the world is all about. Channelers do that. And by the way, and that is because their own kind of identity, their own self-concept, as well as their own opinions are not fixed, right? Because in order, again, like, let me let me go back to the point that I was making originally. In order for you to be able to invite another consciousness in to take over your body, your consciousness needs to walk out. If your consciousness, let's say your, you know, your self-concept is incredibly stable, or deeply rooted in you, you're going to be like a tree whose roots are just so deep in the ground that, I mean, the most maybe you can bend, but, you know, you're kind of planted very firmly in your identity and in this time-space reality. Um, For a channeler, like a good example of like what a channeler would be like, it's like a tree that, you know, at, at a moment's notice, can just pick up its roots and go plant itself somewhere else and then you know be in that ground for like however long it serves them and then at a moment's notice you know kind of like take their roots and and bring them someplace else right so they're that mobile they're that flexible in other words they're not attached to anything like these people very often um they're like seekers you know, they're, they're like always on the search for the truth, right? So mind you, right? There are different types of, of channeling. Um, so we can, you know, and, and we can take a deep dive if you guys would like. And I'm getting a lot of collective nods. So it sounds like you, you would like that. But uh, we should definitely explore who people are channeling from. Because there are like multiple opportunities here. But even within the channeling game itself, right, depending on your own consciousness and self-concept, you may be more or less flexible. And that's why not every medium, not every channel is created equal. Um, For those people that have, let's say, those roots may be firmly planted, but they still have that channeling mm, DNA, if you will, a blueprint within their body, like they have the capability to channel, Um, They're not going to be able to do what, you know, your traditional channelers do, like famous channels like Abraham Hicks, for instance, right? Um, That like totally takes over um, and, you know, talks differently, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like those people would still technically be channels, right? And I'm not talking about Abraham Hicks, but I'm talking about those people whose self-concept is a lot more planted. It's a lot more fixed, they're still considered channels, but they would never experience the full body takeover 
because it's almost like they're attached to who they are. And because they're attached to who they are, they don't take it very well when somebody, like another consciousness, comes into their body and says, hey, I want to shake up your self-concept. Do you mind moving so I can get in here for a quick second? That, the, the, you know, there most people are not going to be comfortable with this experience. Most people are going to be like, whoa, wait a second. This is my body. This is my temple, my ruse, my incarnation, my higher self planted me here. So bye-bye. You know, that is like what most people would do, which, by the way, doesn't mean that they're not channeling. Because channeling is a much more broader concept that you've been brought up to believe, that humanity believes. Channeling, in essence, is an ability to receive and decode information that comes from higher realms. That is the simplest definition of channeling, right? So as long as you are able to receive and decode, even if your body is not being possessed, although I don't love this word, but taken over, temporarily by spirit you're still channeling right so i'm glad that we're you know first box checked i'm glad that we've kind of broadened that perspective for you a little bit now there are many places you could be channeling from often um it is you know you know very often it's consciousness that is currently incarnated within the matrix which means essentially it would be higher dimensions, right? How, higher dimensional consciousness from 5D to 11D, arguably 12D, right? So most people actually who are channels would channel 7D to 11D consciousness. That is kind of like what most people do. There is also an ability for you to channel. And by the way, when they're channeling, when I'm saying they're channeling, you know, consciousness of other beings that are currently incarnated. It can be individual consciousness or it can be collective consciousness, which is kind of interesting because in higher realms, like uh, specifically 70 plus, uh, what you are going to, uh, what a lot of worlds have is telepathy. What telepathy is, is essentially having a shared mental space. So in third dimensional worlds, what you guys are experiencing are individualized mental spaces, meaning you think that your thoughts are your own. And essentially, if we look from the mental body perspective, you all are kind of like walking within these spheres of th that I would refer to as mental bodies. And they are individualized. Now, you're still prone to collective conditioning and collective mental constructs, right? So you, you, you essentially have access to the collective mental space as well. But your mental space is going to be your own because it is your own and it is divided that is why having another person read your thoughts is not a thing right that's not something that you have happen plus it kind of almost freaks you out you know one of the fears of humanity would be like oh my god if somebody could read my thoughts like honestly like i'd be so embarrassed right i'm not saying it's like a legitimate fear but this is something that would make you guys terribly uncomfortable now, if you go up the ladder in terms of dimensions and move up to 7D plus worlds, you're going to get into shared mental bodies. As in, your mental body is not really in, in those worlds. Your mental body is not separate from other people, but it is just a cell within the grander whole that is interconnected with everything else. 
That is why telepathy works, because here, telepathy, it's so hard, telepathy is so hard, is because you guys are all working or walking around with your individual bubbles. And telepathy implies a collective bubble or a shared bubble, right? Because it's a lot easier, actually, to read things from a shared space or access things from a shared Google Drive as opposed to trying to hack into people's individual drives, if that makes sense, right? So same concept applies. If we're going to the 7D, though, that is not how they, um, how they experience reality, right? Now, it's a big, big, big overgeneralization, which I don't like to make, but enough seven-dimensional worlds are going to have these shared mental spaces. And so a lot of things become very easy there right? Um, So everybody always knows what everybody else is thinking. So it's impossible to virtually impossible to hide anything, Uh, which is also only have the trouble because by then you're hopefully a lot more evolved. And also there's a lot less judgment over there. So essentially where I was going with this is let's go back to like what people could be channeling. Very often, very often, what is being channeled because of this is a collective consciousness. Because as you go upstairs, so to say, there is uh, beings are less and less individualized and more and more unified, right? So very often, you know, although a set of beings may be calling themselves one name, there would actually be multiple beings or a group of beings that chose to share a mental space and they have access to the same exact information within, let's say, the Akashic Record field. And so very often when you would be communicating with that group, what, and say you're asking them a question, the answer that would is, that is going to come back is going to be the same answer dis- regardless of what being of that group is delivering it. Because it's almost like, I don't want to call it groupthink, but it kind of is like groupthink. It's almost like before they make a decision, like imagine like a group of five beings in a circle. And although they're not holding hands, but they're sharing this collective mental space, which almost looks like um, like an umbrella around their heads or on top of their heads. When you're asking them a question, what ends up happening with them is they have to first make up their mind on what the answer is. And the, re- the, the process of that happening is essentially the five of them merge their answers together to kind of like find quote-unquote the ultimate truth or the closest uh, place that they can get to the ultimate truth as a group and that is the answer that is going to get translated down to you so very often it's still not individualistic consciousness that you're talking to it's more like group consciousness so that is one place that you can channel from another place is completely outside of the matrix you could be channeling beings that are not even currently incarnated. And that is essentially how we're able to have this experience is because this experience is essentially um, me as a higher self aspect of an incarnated human talking to you right now, right? Now, yes, she's my bridge, but arguably I, I don't currently exist in like a seventh dimensional on the seventh dimensional planet somewhere, uh, you know, in, in, in the Milky Way galaxy. That's not what's happening at all, right? So essentially, I'm, you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, in, in the spirit realm. So you could, ch- you could be channeling from 
non-incarnated entities, right? Essentially from the realm of spirit, the realm that is outside of the matrix. And another aspect could be, you could actually be channeling from a particular sector of the Akashic Records. That is also possible. Um, I know we, I had an episode about the Akashic Records. Um, I know you guys really liked it. Um, I don't know how complicated it is for you to try to figure out how can you be channeling from the Akashic Records. It's, there's a little bit of confusion that I'm sensing. But it's almost like, I'm going to give you like a really bad analogy, but bear with me. I know that the Akashic Records very often gets likened to a library. And you know how, for instance, if you wanted to go to a library and read a book on the Second World War, the librarian would point you in the direction of books about Second World War. And you could pick up a book um, that looked reasonably, you know, satisfying based on your query. And then you could open it up to a page and start reading, right? So essentially channeling from the Akashic Records is, is very similar to this type of experience, right? When you're asking a question, there is a being, like a guide almost, that works with you and would point your spirit to a particular record or particular location within the network of the Akashic Records so that essentially you would align with the exact set of coordinates that contain the answer. And now, of course, how that information is stored in there is not, you know, it essentially it's a set of codes that your body is able to decode and turn into the voice. You know how on Kindle they have this function for those of you the guys that have a Kindle uh, or like any other, I don't know, like for a lot of other, like I, I don't know if Nuke has it or whatever, uh, but like for a lot of your e-readers, right, there is now a function of like I think text to voice, whatever, whatever it's called, which is essentially like turning something that is flat on the piece of, uh, I don't know, on a screen or on a piece of paper and turning that into sound, right? So essentially that is a process of you know, decoding, right? Uh, or translating the information from one medium to the other. The same thing kind of happens here, you know. You would uh, be referred to a particular set of coordinates or a particular location within the Akashic Records, and then your body is essentially going to have to start working as a translator for that energy, for that information to come through. And via the translation of your voice, you know, you're going to be able to speak that into existence, if that makes sense, right? So that's that. Another point that I wanted to make about channeling, which I think is really, really, really important to make, right? So like we kind of spoke about where people could be channeling from, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes, and it's a little bit of a fallacy within humanity, it is believed, especially in spiritual circles, that it, if it is channeled, it must be true. If it is channeled, it must be true. It's almost like, you know, in, in like, especially like the new age and uh, like the, the, the kind of like more innovative spiritual circles, shall we say, channeling is equivalent to, oh my God, like this must be the ultimate truth now. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Knowing what you know now, an additional piece of information that you need is this. Whatever being that you're channeling from or connecting with via your channel has a perspective, an opinion, and an agenda, right? 
I know agenda has like a bad connotation. Maybe I shouldn't be using that, but I really want to get that point across to you. In other words, all of the beings that are communicating with you, um, and even potentially, even if you're channeling from the Akashic Records, you're still working with a guide. So there is a being that is guiding and controlling, for lack of a better term, that experience, right? All of those beings that could potentially be talking to you, including me, by the way, right? Throw me in, into the same bucket with everybody else. Not any different. Not any different. Has a perspective, an opinion, and an agenda. Very much by design, by the way, right? So when Source split itself into a myriad of different pieces or chunks of energy that we now refer to as souls, a soul material, or individual soul consciousness. Each of these aspects of source, despite being a projection of source, has its own perspective, has its own angle of looking at the world. So the concept of truth is thus a very hard concept to describe because the only ultimate truth of the universe is the opinion of source energy, right? Or the entirety of all of us. However, when you start splitting that consciousness into a lot of different particles, it is very much by design that these particles are meant to have their own truths. It doesn't make it untrue, the fact that it's their own. You know, everybody has their moral compass, their own North Star, their own journey, mission, all of the above, right? So it, like whatever they're communicating to you is very often, because you're talking to higher dimensional beings, is very often communicated with the greatest good in mind, right? So they all are trying to provide value and striving to provide and like think of the greater good. However, the greater good from the perspective of one person is not the greater good from, from the perspective of another person or shall I say being, right? So everybody has a perspective upstairs, everybody has an opinion, and everybody has an agenda. When I say an agenda, what do I mean by that? Okay, I don't know how many of you communicate with spirit guides. Um, I will tell you, and I don't know how deeply we want to go into this, but I guess why not? We're, we're diving deep here. When your body, let me rewind. When your soul is what I meant to say. When your soul is planning an incarnation, if it is either a hard incarnation from soul perspective, an interesting or challenging incarnation from a soul perspective, or something that, you know, maybe is like a planetary level something, like, right, right? Like something that's a little bit out of the ordinary or like a cornerstone incarnation, something that's like really meaty. Very often, your own soul, your own soul would recruit other beings to pitch in their energy for this incarnation. This, go above, this goes above and beyond, you guys, sacred contracts. I'm not meaning, like what I mean right now is your soul doesn't just go around and, you know, doesn't just look for like, I don't know, husband, wife, or like you're going to be my child or you're going to be my teacher and you're going to be my student whatnot, right? Like obviously that happens, right? Those are separate souls and you can have, sacred contracts with many, many souls for each incarnation. And you, all, you always do. That's not what I'm referring to. 
very often for these cornerstone hard or complicated incarnations, you would want actual energies of other beings to go into the same body at a different percentages. Very often there is one sponsoring soul, in this case yourself, because you came up with this mission and, you know, that's probably a big lesson there for you. But very often, very often, there are other beings that pitched in little chunks of your consciousness to go into your same body. And so when you're birthed as a baby, there are multiple streams that are co-joined together that enter that baby. I don't know if I just blew your mind. I think I may have because <laughs> enough people are like, what? We've never heard that that's even possible. It is actually, it is. And very often, you know, for your, I don't know, for your big gurus or presidents or like just the people who are playing like a large role in human society, they're going to be these like collective souls, right? So it's not even one soul. Um, like Buddha wasn't one soul. Jesus wasn't one soul. It was a collective effort. The reason I'm telling you all this is for you to understand that even within you, part of the split that you're experiencing at a hu as a human is that you're not even one being, like potentially, right? You could be many. You don't know that. Uh, where I was going with this is this. Now, uh, let, let me keep telling you that story. There is a reason why these other souls are giving like a chipping away or like are splitting like little chunks of their soul energy to give to you so you can, you know, make something happen. And very often the reason is they have an agenda and they have a perspective, right? Now, there are probably some common ground between you and the people that you would work with, not people, I should say souls, you would work with at this level, right? Obviously, you're not going to put completely antagonistic energies into one bottle, into one vessel, into one vehicle, into one human. Then that's just recipe for disaster. By the way, sometimes they do. That's how you get a multiple personality disorder. That's not the only reason how you get a multiple personality disorder. That's not the only way how it could happen, that split could happen, but certainly one. It's like when, you know, this perfectly synchronistic uh, team of beings actually does not get along. You know, that could be one. But then, you know, there are other reasons why you can get multiple personality disorders, such as trauma. Uh, another split could, could happen if, um, again, your, your self-concept is not stable and you can actually jump around between different past incarnations or parallel incarnations. And that is why you could, you know, could not even, you lose track of who you are at any point in time. But enough about the multiple personality disorder. Where I was going to with agendas is this. Now, imagine you are three different souls in one. I'll just take a very simple approach. Imagine one of these, like your core aspect, really wants to be famous to experience being famous. And that's it. Let's say another aspect of your soul, really, or somebody else's soul, actually, right? like the second stream, the second being, really cares about you being famous. But what they're trying to pursue is um, charity work. Maybe that soul cares about charity work. And it wants you to be famous because if you're famous, you could also be rich or you're going to have um, a large influence on humanity. And they really want you to start paying it forward or supporting the causes, donating your own money or raising 
money or becoming an activist of some sort, right? Say that's the second um, soul. And say the third soul over here, for instance, wants you to become famous because it believes that by the virtue of you becoming famous and having a lot of followers, you could start bringing about a spiritual revolution, for instance. And you could start convincing large number of amounts of people to meditate or go in retreats or do something that, I don't know, breath work or what have you, right? Now, technically, all of these beings meet in the middle around becoming famous. But one of the souls really just wants to be famous for the sake of being famous. And these two other parts have hidden agendas. And that's what I mean by agendas. An agenda is not a bad thing. It's just something that drives and motivates someone at soul level. So when you're working with a lot of guides or beings as a channel, one thing you need to factor in is that all of these beings have an agenda. They have like a core belief or a core view of the world, how they want to see the world, right? Like that North Star is very different, which is why, you know, um, sometimes when you work with spirit guides and you may be asking them a question, but whoever came through in that moment in time is going to respond to you from the perspective of their own agenda, right? So for instance, this person, right, that we just described essentially has three higher selves, right, that donated their spirit energy to this person. So even if they're connecting to their higher self, which one are they connecting to? Let's be real. And let's let's imagine this person is asking the question of what should I do next? Or like, what is my purpose? And it's reaching out to their higher self. If it reaches out to the aspect that wants to do charity work, the answer is going to be, oh my God, go do charity work, dude. Like literally right now, we're running out of time. If it reaches out to the, to the, to the higher self, to the person, to the being, whose agenda is a spiritual revolution, that's going to be the answer that comes through in that moment in time. And if it just reaches out to the third person, just happened so that that person was, you know, uh, available at the time, that being was available at the time, that being is going to just going to be like, oh, just don't worry. Just like enjoy the process. Don't worry about any of that. Like, don't worry about spiritual revolution situation. You're fine. Just like be famous, like enjoy, right? That hedonistic approach. Do you see what I mean? So when you're working with higher selves, not higher selves, sorry, what spirit guides, you get a difference of opinion. With channels, it's almost like even worse than that, right? Because technically speaking, at least with your spirit guides, when, when, when you have your spirit guides, when you start working with spirit guides, they have to kind of like sign on a dotted line that no matter what they do, they're not going to harm you. And, and by the way, everybody, all of your spirit guides are given a memo before they can become your spirit guides. In that memo, your spirit guides know what your end game is. And so technically they cannot advise you in a way that prevents you or doesn't help you to get to your end game which unfortunately is not the case with channeling. With channeling, when you start channeling, unfortunately, there is no like piece of paper that's given to the beings that you're channeling that they cannot promote their own agendas, which is not, by the way, me trying to talk you out of trying channeling 
or listening to channels because I would essentially be talking you out of listening to the podcast that I'm recording, right? That's not what I'm saying at all, at all. However, know that because just because somebody's channeling, it doesn't mean that that is the ultimate truth. It doesn't mean that that is the only truth. And it doesn't mean actually that, you know, you should just take everything at face value, if that makes sense, right? So using your discernment here is really the best remedy. Also, that's another thing with channels. If the person maybe is not spiritually protected or is not spiritually pure, a queen, and there are many reasons why that could happen, including ancestral drama, trauma, and black magic and whatnot, they may be channeling from an entity that is a malicious entity, right? Like their agenda may be, I don't know, turning people into slaves or what have you. Although, arguably, that has already been accomplished on this planet. But bear with me for this analogy. It, like enough of these types of malevolent beings would be able to mask themselves under the guise of goodness, right? That is why it's really, really so hard. And that's why I want you to think about channeling. It's kind of like, it's like an open door. And so there are, you know, a lot of channels already and there's going to be more that are going to come through. But you really don't know who they're talking to. You really don't know unless you use your own discernment. Because all kinds of beings can come through. You can have, you know, angelic beings come through. You can have demonic entities come through. You can have entities, I don't know, uh, Seraphim come through, you, you may have Pleiadians come through, you may have, uh, I don't know, Draconians come through. It's just like all of it. Like essentially a channel is, is like an invitation, right? An energy invitation of, hey, I'm an open door, come over for a cup of coffee. Now, if the person is protected, if they keep their vibrations high, if they're doing the work, right? All kinds of spiritual work on themselves then by definition, as a channeler, they're going to align with higher vibrational beings and higher vibrational consciousness. There's just no other way. But I urge you to use discernment. Understand that just because something is channeled doesn't make it it true and doesn't mean that it would serve you. What do I mean by discernment? A lot of people think that discernment is them going into their intellect, headspace, mind, and trying to piece out or puzzle out if whatever somebody's telling them is the truth or not. And I would tell you that could not be the furthest from the truth. That is not what true discernment is. The true discernment is being able to drop into your heart space. And from that heart space, get a hunch or an intuitive hit of should I trust this channeler or not? And does this information resonate with me or not? And I think that is a very, very important step that a lot of people who are reading channeled books, listening to channeled material, are not doing. And that could be a great, great, great disservice. By the way, if something is right for another person, doesn't mean it's right for you, right? There are a lot of channeled books and materials that are transmitting certain codes. Not all of the entities, not all of the beings that are transmitting these codes have your best interest at heart. 
So by reading channeled material, you are exposing yourself to those codes. If those are malicious codes, you may have certain issues about eradicating them, especially if those are strong beings and strong entities. Again, to use your discernment, you would like you would want to drop into your heart space, into your heart space, right? How do you, the question that I'm getting from the collective is how do I drop into my heart space? Imagine that there is an internal elevator that travels up and down your spine. And then you want to will that elevator to go into your heart space. And then imagine exiting here, like exiting from your heart space. So you're this little baby and you're walking around in your heart space. And here I want you to actually completely stop the stream of thinking. Because your thoughts are always going to get in the way if you're trying to make heart-led decisions. Because your brain is always going to try to rationalize here. Here, you can even use your internal pendulum, right? You guys are familiar with physical pendulums, right? Um, I like to use a rotation of the pendulum to tell me, to communicate to me, what is in my best interest and what is not. You know, that is one of the tools that I really love, right? So for my internal pendulum, when I'm in the heart space, I'm just going to imagine a giant pendulum. If the giant pendulum is circulating in a clockwise direction, that means that my heart is saying yes to something. If it's circulating or rotating in a counterclockwise direction, that means a no, right? So when you come with in, in touch with channeled material, what you should be asking yourself or the universe, shall we say, is... Is this aligned with my highest uh, good? Is this material? And you would like drop into your heart space and ask your heart to tell you yes or no, right? And that is um, what what I, I, I suggest that you do. So kind of like, again, didn't want to turn this into like a cautionary tale. Channels are amazing, you guys. Like there is, um, there's amazing information that you could get from higher dimensional beings, now, higher dimensional beings, depending on who you're talking to, they're not all created equal just because they're higher dimensional. doesn't make them all amazing teachers. doesn't make them all amazing um, responders uh, or, you know, guides or what have you. You know, there is a level, there's a range of skill set across all of these verticals, uh, across all of these dimensions, right? So you may get, get lucky, you may not. It really depends. Uh, and another aspect is also the channel itself, right? Like the, part of it is like, who is the being that's talking? And the other aspect of it is who is the being that's receiving? Because you cannot have a channel or like a, a highway that is a connection between two points if one of these points is faulty or not in tune enough or not attached uh, or, or not um, in alignment with certain energies, Right. So that is what you should also examine, right? Because if the person that's on the receiving end is not able to decode the information properly, then whatever is coming through the pike, through the pipe, if you will, if we use pipe as an analogy for this highway, may be perfectly amazing information that is aligned and super high vibrational and very helpful. But if the person downstairs cannot translate it in the proper way, then what's going to come out of them is not going to be the purest form of communication. Okay, there is so much we could chit-chat about channeling. I wanted to see if the collective has 
any questions for me as it relates to channeling, anything that serves uh, this conversation and you were wondering about, I'm here to receive the question. The question is, can anybody channel? <laughs> the answer is yes and no. In other words, there is nothing in your physical body or your um, energy body that would prevent you from being able to channel. I'm a big believer that most people could get there. A few things, right? Uh, and that's how we're going back to the beginning of this episode. It all starts with opening your heart. I hate to say this, but in the large chunk of humanity, the heart chakra is closed up or closed down. What this means is all of the higher chakras are closed by default, right? So like, I, I generally don't see somebody with a closed heart having all their higher centers open, right? So here we're talking about, okay, like before you can channel, you're going to have to open your heart space, open your throat, because throat actually is your communication device, right? That is where a lot of the decoding actually happens uh, with channeling. Enough of it happens in your throat area, believe it or not, and not in your brain. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? Uh, the reason being is because it's almost like I want you to imagine channeling is like this higher beings dropping seeds, right? If, um, you know, if you were required as a being to react to what they're telling you and interpret it, like, it, like essentially provide your own judgment on what was being said, then the seed of information that they're giving you would drop into your head space, meaning like probably your brain or what have you. But that's not what happens in channeling. In channeling, they kind of want you to step away as much as possible to just receive and not put your own limitations on the message, right? That's why they tend to drop the message straight into your throat so that it does it goes through as little... Uh, distortion was the word that I was looking for, for as little distortion as possible, right? That's why they're not dropping it into your brain because they're not looking for your judgment or assessment. They just want you to essentially speak it, right? That, that's why that seed uh, follow, flows into your throat area, which means that you know, for somebody to be able to channel, they have their throat, they have to have their throat chakra up and running, right? Um, third eye, arguably, um, is a little, a little less maybe relevant because if we're talking about channeling done through speech, you know, your third eye is important just because if your third eye is closed, you can't get to the crown, but it's not the most active chakra. It, it becomes a more active chakra instead of your throat area if you're just receiving visual downloads then that, that chakra gets activated. Now, the last but not least is, of course, you need to have your crown center up and running as well, which right now happens in what, about like 5% of humanity if we're lucky on a good day, right? So the answer to your question is, can everybody channel is yes, but, <laughs> right? So the absolute minimum is they need to have these um, chakras activated. Second thing here is they have to have enough energy that is in excess of the energy that their body uses on their daily activities, right? Because building a channel 
it's, it's like creating an energy structure within your own body. It's kind of like maintaining another appendage, almost like phantom arms or phantom legs or I don't know, like a phantom head or something. So your body, obviously, you know, we're all creatures of routine. Um, Your body on a daily basis goes through a lot of automated processes. Very often you're quite consistent with how much energy you're burning on a day-to-day basis. In order for you to build that channel, you're going to have to have in like enough of that free floating energy, so to say, that your body has that could be devoted to that process of building and maintaining that channel. It's almost like disposable income, right? Like if you only have enough money to spend on food and rent and bills and you don't have a dollar extra, then that means you don't, you're not going to have disposable income and you're not going to have too much time or sorry, too much money for all the extra stuff that you want to treat yourself with, right? But then if you have a ton of disposable income, then the world's your oyster, you could do whatever you want. Same thing with energy, right? If you don't have a lot of energy, your energy is finite, then your body is definitely not going to allocate resources to build a freaking channel because your body is like, how am I going to get through the day with this energy? How am I going to get to work today? You know, we essentially, by the end of the day, we don't even have the energy to watch Netflix. So I don't know what you, you know, you have no business building a channel. In other words, what I'm saying is you're going to have to examine how you use your energy. Um, if you are trying to make sure that your body has enough resources to build that channel. Raising your vibrations is also going to be required and needed if you're trying to channel. Unless you're trying to channel from beings that are not that high, then maybe raising your vibration arguably is, is not what you need to do. But I also think like sometimes the higher you go, the better, um, the better advice you get, although that's debatable. I think it, it, it does depend on, um, you know, the agenda of the beings and what you're asking for, right? Because if you're talking to an 11 dimensional being and you're asking them about pain of childbirth, they're probably the absolute worst being to advise you on that because they're like, oh, just, you know, just chill or like, oh, just relax. Like, what do you mean pain of childbirth? Because obviously in 11D, they don't experience pain of childbirth. Uh, so they're not going to be able to necessarily comprehend um, what you're going through, right? So it's, it's, it's kind of like, but if you ask them about the universe um, or spiritual development, they may be a lot better to advise you on, on that, if that makes sense. So yes, everybody can become a channel. Uh, there is a process to it. Uh, and there are some prerequisites to meet. But I do think that with dual level of desire, and the ability to, you know, the willingness to work for it. Yes, I think pretty much everybody could become a channel. Yes. Um, I'm ready to take another question from the collective on the topic of channels or channeling. The question is, can you give us any tips on how we can channel? And, you know, what, what does like essentially the process feel like? Um, people are wondering... Um, you know, and, and what should they be expecting? Well, I will tell you that the process of channeling, I mean, it's going to vary person to person. Um, uh, it also depends on, because it's essentially as a channel, right? You're an empty vessel 
So channeling is going to feel like that being that you're channeling feels like. Because they're bringing their energy. They're bringing their essence. And a lot of channelers would notice that like they jive better with some beings and not others. You know, sometimes certain beings, it's, it's kind of like meeting some people. And some people you just really like, oh my God, I love their energy. I'm like so here for it. And other people are like, whoa, whoa, what is that? And other people are like, oh, they're like so curious and, and strange. Like, I don't, you know, I, I, I can admire them, but I don't know that I can be them, right? So like it, in the same way that people give you different vibes, depending on which being, which entity you're channeling, it'll give you different vibes. And by the way, like a lot of things for a channeler could change depending on the entity that they're channeling. You know, their voice obviously changes, their sh- it shifts, you know, because every being essentially um, has their own composition of elements or energies that they're bringing in, right? Some people are more fire, beings, some people. Some beings are more fire, some beings are more water, some beings are more air, some beings are more uh, earth, right? So depending on who you're channeling, your body temperature may even change, right? Um, I happen to be a very fiery spirit. So, you know, when I come into a body, I give it a lot of heat, right? I, I give it like a lot of warmth. And, you know, the, the voice would become a lot more maybe forward and not to say feisty, but more intentional and, you know, enunciating things better. So it, it all depends on the spirit that you're channeling is what channeling is what I'm trying to say. That's why it feels different. And um, in some ways, it's like it's like acting a little bit, right? It's like trying on um, trying on a persona for size, because how you as a being, as a person would respond to certain questions versus how that being is going to respond to questions is very different. Um, but it is like a way to experience some other perspective from a very deep and intimate place. If that makes sense, right? It's almost like getting to know somebody from within instead of trying to, like, generally, when you are meeting a new person, right? Um, in, in third dimensional world, it's like you trying to get another, get to know another entity, another being, right? So you have to ask questions to get to know them. Then you have to ponder their answers and be like, you know, time, you know, over time, over time, you're kind of like filling or, or um, like creating, filling in the puzzle, right? You're like creating, filling in the blanks almost. And you're like, okay, over time, you know, after a few meetings or sometimes it's years, uh, you have like a decent understanding of someone. Channeling is a little different. It's that, that consciousness comes into you. And so at the same time, you know everything about them, but you also don't know anything about them, which is kind of like a very, very interesting perception to have because channelers they don't hold on to information so very often a channeler would channel something and it's kind of like in one ear and out the other you know if you ask them what they said they kind of don't even remember but they were kind of present for the experience if you know what I mean like their body was there but they're like I have no idea what we spoke about right so channelers are not meant to hold on to the information they're supposed to you know take it in give it away take it in give it away right So because at the same time, like when the consciousness enters their body, they have full access to the entirety of who that being is and their knowledge base. But at the same time, it's not theirs to claim. It's a transient state, meaning it's a fleeting state. It's here, you know, and and, and, and not at the same time, right? So that's why it's this weird feeling of like knowing this being, but also not knowing them at all. 
So it's a little bit of both. So that, that is to answer the question of how channeling feels. Um, it also feels a little bit like journeying because you, you know, you're essentially, you know, um, your light bodies um, are further away from your physical body to make room for, you know, uh, light con- another light consciousness to come through. So part of it feels like maybe out of body travel a little bit. Um, although, generally speaking, that is not fully correct because your focus and, you know, what you're present to. Yeah, your, your focus, your point of focus is actually the being that you're channeling and not necessarily what happens with your own soul. But you could change perspectives and see what your own light body is up to. Although, arguably, uh, it becomes harder to decode material that's coming through if you're trying to keep both perspectives at the same time. And, and you know, that generally happens later once you become proficient with uh, maintaining one stream uh, of, of focus. In terms of what are the things that you could do, how can you essentially get into channeling? So channeling is all about connection. So, um, you know, apart from all the things that I've already mentioned, is connection. How strong is your connection? Um, Channeling is all about being able to maintain connection over time. Um, Very often, depending on the structure of somebody's physical and etheric bodies, they would have trouble, especially initially, holding on to that connection for a prolonged amount of time because it is actually a big stress on the organism. So if you kind of like listen to, I don't know, those channeled books that use like a vehicle for like that full possession, like a body of of a human uh, to do that full possession where that person is not fully at all aware of what's happening, very often those sessions are going to be between 15 and 45 minutes which, if you ask me, are quite short, right? The reason being is because that physical body is going through a lot. And especially if it's not used to this kind of situation, um, maybe the energy is lacking. So, um, you know, over time, those sessions may get lengthier, longer, uh, or they won't because certain bodies have limitations, right? So it's all about your connection and your ability to maintain connection over time. Um, a lot of channels, when they are, you know, if they're forced to maintain connection beyond their capacity, they're going to have massive headaches. Um, that is very often how it manifests. So essentially, like I said, like your connection really, really matters. Initially... Um, and again, I'm not going to be able to take you through the full experience. Like this is not a course on channeling, right? Maybe one day I'll make one. But very often, very often, you would... Um, actually, let me rewind that. One way, you know, um, that you could start experiencing what channeling is, if you already have some spiritual acumen under your belt, is this. So for those of you have do- that have done past life regressions or very deep meditations when you're either meeting your higher self or talking to spirit guides but you're really in that deep like in the middle of it right so when you already are in a state of trance because essentially deep meditation especially a past life regression with full immersion is like a state of trance channeling happens from a state of trance because a state of trance enables you to 
temporarily disassociate with the physicality of your experience so that another consciousness stream can come through and operate through you or communicate through you. So when you are in a past life regression, you know, I don't know, 10, 20, 15 minutes deep, right? From that position of trance, what you could do is you could ask um, your guides or whoever you're talking to, you know, like if, if it's a past life regression, there are no guides, then you would like to meet a guide that's guiding that experience or your higher self, it doesn't really matter, but somebody of higher rank and you want to ask them for a keyword or a code word that would enable you to descend into that state very quickly, right? Now, could you use a past life regression meditation, you know, guided meditation or whatever, every time you're, you're trying to do channeling, you could. It's just very long. Very often with channels, what they're trying to optimize for is like how quickly does it take them to connect? If it takes you 30 minutes to connect, you ain't such a great channel. So like, you know, there's always about like how do you optimize that connection time? So um, if you ask for a code word, whatever that is, you know, your higher self or whoever is that being that's working with you is going to be able to give you this one word or two words or a phrase or what have you. Memorize it. Once you get out of that experience, this is going to be your keyword to try to get you to help you get into that state. Now, that's not it. So the keyword is going to, you know, so when you sit down, essentially connecting to channel is not terribly different from, you know, sitting down, closing your eyes, trying to meditate. Not terribly different, right? You're still trying to get into that same zone. The way to get there quicker is by pronouncing that keyword like a spell over and over again until you get connection. Another thing that I can recommend is I would want you to imagine that where you are is a point, uh, like a dot of light, right? So essentially where your consciousness is on planet Earth incarnated right now is like a bowl or globule of light. And then you're trying to connect essentially to another being. And by the way, you know, when you're channeling, it doesn't always have to be random as in you can call the shots and be like, hey, today I want to talk to so-and-so, whoever that so-and-so is. It doesn't just have to be, you know, uh, those decisions don't always have to be made from the realm of spirit by somebody else because you have free will. You know, what's up with that? You can always be like, hey, I want to talk to Napoleon or I want to talk to Nostradamus or whom have you, like whoever, right? And that is going to be the call to that spirit, or some, you know, version of that spirit. You know, we can we can talk about that some other time. But it's going to be some version of their consciousness. Or the consciousness that's, you know, <laughs> trying to, you know, imitate uh, the consciousness of Napoleon. Which, again, don't mean to go on that tangent. Um, we're talking specifics here. So if you imagine their consciousness as a globule of light, and your consciousness as a globule of light, the number one most important thing for you is to build that connection between point A, which is them, and point B, which is you, if that makes sense. So as you are going into the trance state and saying your keyword over and over again, whatever that keyword is, I want you to imagine that there is a stream of almost like electricity that is created between these two points. Very often, what you would start with is your part. Of the, uh, of the scale, right? So like you would ri- rise up 
that stream because essentially the, the movement is up, right? So you would start almost like drawing that stream of energy from you going to that other being. And then once that, um, you know, once that connection is established, you want to grow it. You want to expand that connection, right? So you want to imagine it expanding. You may create additional streams that are connecting your two beings. I generally find that four streams is all it takes. So when there are four streams that are created between you and your desired um, consciousness that you want to channel, four gives you a very stable connection. Everything is divine, you know, divine numerology, you know, uh, sacred geometry. There is a reason why they exist. They are just blueprints for the consciousness and how the brain of the great architect as well as the brain of source works. Please take the word brain very loosely in this context. Um, Mind is probably a better word here. So four is generally the first number of stability in numerology, right? So it is something that's stable. Very often, let's say companies that have a numerology of four, um, they are the ones that are built for generations, for centuries. These are your market leaders generally, your fours, right? So I find that in somewhat of a similar vein, once you establish four points of connection between you and another being, you're set. As in, you would be able to maintain that channel over time. And the next thing from there is to not get in your own way. If that being is communicating with you, let it communicate with you. Don't doubt it. Just be in the process. Allow it to happen. You will notice that the more you do this, the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. Right? Um, Yeah. And now trust your own form of channeling. Again, because not not everybody is going to get the same type of channeling that Abraham Higgs does. Right? Maybe your self-concept is a lot more planted in this reality is a lot more solidified right less flexible there's nothing wrong with that right that means that you're like yourself your essentially soul is not going to walk out of your body to invite this other soul in right both are going to have to coexist, and that's totally fine again that like you're still doing it right if that is what's happening if that makes sense and again like with everything else you get better over time it's kind of like a muscle that needs to be trained Um, yeah. And then when you're going back, just make sure to, you know, close that connection. You want to break that connection, uh, with that consciousness because, you know, and you kind of want to, um, almost like do the separation of energies, like return them the energies that they gave you and, you know, um, bring back the energies that you gave them in that exchange. Unless of course you're communicating with your higher self, then probably doesn't matter. You know, like there's not like, I don't know, any type of, uh, nothing detrimental is going to happen if if some of the energies of your higher self rubbed off on you. Like, you don't need to worry. Uh, and if you gave them, I don't know, if you overextend yourself and gave too much energy to your higher self, uh, they're just going to send it back, right back to you. So if, you know, if you're trying to channel from your higher self, that's a little bit of a different story. If you're trying to channel from another being, especially if that's not your spirit guide, or if it's like some historical person especially if they have like a dubious past that, you know, may have been not super pro-light and may have been like maybe a little bit in the gray area. Uh, you, you definitely want to make sure that you're kind of like closing that cord uh, or cutting that cord or closing that mm, connection uh, because you just want to make sure that that being, that entity doesn't have full access to your body. 
uh whenever they want and can just like take over <laughs> not that that would happen but i'm just saying uh, better be safe than sorry um okay i want to take one last question because actually this uh this turned out to be longer than i thought i thought i'm gonna have time for more more questions but you guys are asking great questions so it is what it is um as long as it serves humanity i am uh, and relates to channeling i'm here to hear the question oh interesting so the question is some apparently this person has tried some semblance of what i just described and they're like how do i know that i am not just making stuff up and how do i know that this is indeed another being that's talking to me instead of me making stuff up and just you know <laughs> pretending that i'm channeling this is kind of an endearing question because i don't think you could fully fool yourself if you try it over here now i think the only thing that you could potentially f be fooled around is like who are you really receiving the information from it could be like i don't know like a, a a fourth dimensional being talking to you and you think that they're like god you know that is more likely you know that i think that type of fallacy um is a lot more likely very often though and i mean if i absolutely had to give you some rules of thumb here's what i would say in a true channeling, again, if you're walking, if you close down that experience, you walk out of it and you remember exactly what was said in exactly what order, like you just have memories as if that happened to you, that was probably not all the way channeling, right? Because again, there is some loss of perception through this experience, right? Because again, yourself, quote unquote, is someplace else that yourself is not fully present for this experience, right? So if you can quickly retell everything that just happened, that probably was not strict channeling. Also, try recording yourself and see what comes through. If it's true channeling, something about how the information comes through is going to be different to how you normally talk. It may be subtle differences, but they're there. It could be it's a little louder. It could be that's a little faster. It could be sometimes that there are words that you don't normally use or something. Something is going to be different, right? So record yourself and just listen to what was said. Another kind of rule of thumb is if that being that comes through is communicating anything that is not obvious to you or is new news to you, that is not you. That is another being, right? So if they're explaining some concept that you have had no idea about, or they're having some opinions that are not your opinions, that's another entity and another being. That's another rule of thumb, right? But let me tell you, especially if you're channeling or like you're going through this experience for a prolonged amount of time, I mean, fooling yourself, like when you can tell the difference for above, like for over two minutes, it's, it's, it's pretty hard. It's impossible. So most likely what you experienced is a form of channeling. And again, it doesn't have to be all the way like Abraham Hicks, for lack of a better, uh, you know, example, right? There are many different forms and shapes. So just because your shape or your type or your form is not what the world would have you believe is the quote unquote correct way of channeling doesn't mean that what you're experiencing is not channeling. And then there's another thing. We are all beings that are 
at resonance or in resonance with every single experience that happens to us. So if you are aligning to this experience, that means that there is something about this experience that is meaningful to you. Very often when you guys are going to come through or, I mean, essentially anybody your channel your channel could be construed as your guide, um, maybe not in strict sense of the word, but they're providing guidance, right? Um, any of those people um, aligned, well, essentially they, they're, they're going to give you the truth the way they see it, that's one, but also they're not never going to communicate anything that you're not meant to know at this point. Like there is a pretty strict rule here in the universe about telling little beings in kindergarten, which, you know, third dimensional space, unfortunately, is spiritual kindergarten. Um, it doesn't mean that everybody incarnated here belongs to, to kindergarten, but, you know, in, in general, that's how like higher higher beings potentially would, would perceive this dimension. Um, you know, very often they want you to, they don't want to give you so much information that you you get scared or upset and sometimes knowing too much of the future is not a good thing or knowing too much of the universe is also very confusing right so just be you know in other words nothing is random is what i'm saying right so if you aligned with this experience you were meant to align with it and that means that there's something there in the form of guidance that you're meant to receive so it's almost like secondary that, like who came through you know, is secondary. Was it a true channel or like a partial? You know, are you doing it right? That's all secondary. Focus on the message that came through. Focus on what you actually aligned with. Focus on what you received. Because that is not random. That is very intentional and synchronistic for your life, right? So I would, in this particular case, not worry about... Um, whether you're truly channeling or not, and just kind of just receive the actual messages. Um, something tells me there is one more question in the collective that I did not intend to take, but I will. I am ready to receive the question. The question is, there are a lot of people in the new age that are channeling angels, archangels, ascended masters. Where are they channeling from? Are they channeling the actual ascended masters? And should I believe them? Ta -da 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 -da. Okay, <laughs> that is how we're getting to a really, really fun territory that I did not know that we're necessarily going to dive into. But I guess we are. And thank you for this question. Actually, I actually think this is a really, really important question. Answer number one. Most people that are channeling archangels are not talking to the actual archangels. Okay, I just heard like a collective gasp in, in the audience. Relax, you guys. Let's start breathing. It's all good. You're not being fooled or anything. You're not being fooled, right? Let's just let, let me get that out of the way. This is not in any way, shape, or form throwing shade on any of the channelers that you know, would, would have you believe that they're talking to Archangel Michael. I will tell you, I'm very familiar with Archangel Michael. He's kind of busy. He's a very busy dude. He is going through a lot of incarnations at this point in time. Now, a big chunk of his consciousness 
is connected to planet Earth. I'm just using Michael as an example, right? Bear with me. Um, so when a lot of these beings, people actually in this case, are channeling Archangel Michael, one of two things is happening. Very, very, like under 1% are actually channeling Michael. Um, that's one. Two, enough of them, probably the vast majority, like, I don't know, let's say under 1%, let's round it up. 1% is channeling Michael. And it only happens, like Michael is extremely selective, as, in, as is any archangel. They're extremely selective. Just because they're upstairs doesn't mean that they have an unlimited stream of energy. Unfortunately, they have a finite stream of energy, right? So they have to divide and conquer. They have to be like, okay, this part of my energy is going to go to this. This part of my energy is going to go to this. This part of my energy is always going to be in a disincarnate state. And, you know, this part of my energy is going to be watching my other incarnations. So they're kind of splitting hairs on their resource. So that's why Michael, you know, personally only responds to calls from channelers in under 1% of time. And it's very particular kind of channelers that are, I don't want to say necessarily on his level, but kind of. These are the channelers whose translation mechanism is on point. And so Michael knows that it is worth for him to kind of invest his own time because this particular channeler is going to be able to translate that experience to the people in the way that Michael intended, right? Which already disqualifies a ton of people. And then there are two other groups. The vast majority, like maybe 60 something percent of people are channeling other beings that are working alongside Michael, that are not Michael, but they're working alongside the blue ray, uh, which is Michael's ray. So these may be essentially Michael's direct reports, or some other beings that are studying to be Michael that have or don't have sometimes <laughs> uh, full permission from Michael to speak on his behalf. Now, doesn't mean you're getting bad advice. No, but very often you're not getting the advice of Archangel Michael in this particular case because a lot of these beings are a lot lower in terms of their vibration at level of understanding and level of access to the mysteries of the universe compared to Archangel Michael. So that is why, that is why, if you kind of read 10 channelings of Michael, he speaks differently in all of them. And the reason is because it's 10 different beings. I hate to say this, right? It's not one. And then there is another actually aspect, which is, remember how I told you like 1% is actually Michael, 65 or so is, uh, you know, other beings that are masquerading as Michael, uh, you know, openly or, or, or not. And the rest, which is like, I don't know, what is it, like 30-something percent, 34, give or take, um, are channeling from what I would call the collective consciousness uh, or the egregore of Archangel Michael. What is a, the egregore of Archangel Michael? The egregore of Archangel Michael is a part of energy stream of Archangel Michael that works within the energies of planet Earth. These are some of his past incarnations. You know, he did incarnate on planet Earth more than once. He is going to incarnate again. All of that is part of his egregore, his energetic structure that he left behind. 
The problem with that and channeling that type of experience, it's almost like channeling the past of Michael, not the present to the future of Michael, if that makes sense. It's almost like he encapsulated, he canned part of his energy and left it behind to, you know, help out while he's away, if that makes sense. But that is not, that's not necessarily like the living, breathing, so to say, um, essence of, of Archangel Michael. So it's not going to be, it's not going to feel as like, I mean, I, I prefer this actually over other beings stepping in for Michael, because at least this is the true um, essence of the archangel. But it's almost like, imagine um, yourself, oh, no, you don't have to imagine yourself, you know yourself. Uh, arguably, you get smarter or more experienced every year, right? Arguably. Um, what if you had to, like, let's, let's think back to school. What if you were, let, let's say you're in 10th grade, but really right now, but you incarnated on some planet, I don't know, and you in, incarnated there as a, a as a third grader and you encapsulated your energy as a third grader and left on that planet. And now a bunch of people are thinking they're talking to you as a 10th grader, but really they're talking to the third grader version of you. Is the third grade version of you bad? Absolutely freaking not. It's amazing. It's still you. It's just less developed than you in 10th grade. So that is what happens when people are referring to that aspect of Michael. By the way, that aspect of Michael is a lot easier accessible through planet Earth. It is accessible to people with shorter channels, right? People with lower vibrations because it's literally floating around in ether around planet Earth. So it's a lot easier to access than the actual archangel who is actually not even in the matrix, if that makes sense, right? So that is kind of the answer to your question of, who are these people channeling, you know, uh, they, uh, my answer would remain the same, although Michael is a very specific example, you know, the percentages would vary depending on the ascended master um, or the angel. But very often than not, most people are not actually talking to the entity itself. They're either talking to another energy that's posing as this entity, whether malicious or, you know, not, it could be a, a well-meaning entity and a very wise entity it just depends right there's a full range and a full scope or you could be talking to that collective egregore to the egregore of that being so just wanted to put it out there now there are some beings if we're talking ascended masters and archangels that are more active on planet earth than others which means that some egregores are mightier some egregores are a lot more you know they they encompass a lot more of the higher self aspect of those beings right? So they curate the planet more actively, right? So even if you collect, connect to that egregore, but it's, it's, it's a lot more evolved as an egregore, then you're going to be getting arguably more higher frequency, high vibrational um, information. With that being said, a part of the question was, can we trust the information that comes through? My answer remains the same. You have to drop into your heart space and really use your heart discernment and your intuition because on a case-by-case basis some of these things are more trustworthy than others right so the answer is just because it says channeled from archangel michael doesn't mean it's channeled from archangel michael and doesn't mean you should trust it at all it just means you should use your discernment now i will tell you one thing you did for some if, if you're already smack in the middle of some content or somehow got, I don't know, um, 
somehow aligned with a channeling from an ascended master, there is something about you, right, that has attracted that piece of content. So there is a lesson for you in that content no matter what, right? It's just that lesson may not be to blindly trust what came through. It may actually be to take some things and leave others, or it maybe it'll it'll take you on I don't know a quest a mental quest of like discovering something. But know that you don't just randomly align with content, so that gives you hope, right? There is a reason why you align with these channelings. It's not random, right? But the reason might not be because you should blindly trust everything that you that comes your way, right? Again, let's use discernment. We're all grown ups here. Either way. Thank you for your questions. I think your questions totally rocked my world today. Uh, I personally had fun. I hope you did as well. Uh, I'm sending you all a big, 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 fat, huge virtual hug. You guys are awesome. And I love you. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please visit thisismaria.com for more insights and offerings from Maria and Sergey. It is T-H-I-S-I-S-M-A-R-I-Y-A.com. We hope to see you in future episodes.